Thank you, Rosalind, for reading God's word and inspiring us with his word. We give thanks. Father, we thank you for your love, for your grace, for your blessings. Father, we thank you here in your house. You have gathered us this Sunday on MW Sunday. This is our prayer, Father, as we come together here in your sanctuary, in your house, as well as with brothers and sisters who join us in real time and space from their homes. Knit us as one, one Christ, now and always. We bow with gratitude and thanksgiving for you love us. And Father, we love you. So now, Lord, as we come to your words, may you bless us with understanding. And we pray, Lord, the words we receive from you, like living water, bread from heaven, nourishing us and building us strong, raising us up as sons and daughters of the living God. We thank you, we praise you, we love you, our Father and God. Amen. It is so good to be here with our brothers and sisters here in Trinity, Penang. And yes, thank you very much for coming to Kuantan 12 years ago and spending time with us in Kuantan. Really out of the way for Penang people because uh, here is Penang up in the north. You have to go down south and then go up again, northeast to Kuantan. And you came because you love us. And thank you. We will always remember your love for us. So good to reconnect with you this morning. Now, I'm going to speak a little bit about MW's, the devotion I shared with them to the church wide. But I'm also going to share concurrently with the season we are in, Lent now, and tie the two together. I'm sure you were wondering how come one portion of Scripture is from Isaiah and the other portion of Scripture is from Matthew. Now, in Isaiah, as our MW sisters have purposed themselves with the theme to soar with God, and we praise God for the love that continues to soar in great heights, that Christ be magnified and be glorified in their lives in the ministry and in our church here. Trinity Penang has one of the bigger churches where we are able to have MW chapters. Now, it is no easy task for Angela and all the MW sisters to continue to lead MW ministry. And I'm so glad that they have chosen this theme to soar with God. As we soar with God, we recognize that it is not by our own strength or our own agenda that we are running about, but it is in Him who has called us to hope in Him and to be renewed in strength in Him. And as we do this, we shall soar like eagles. We will not be weary, but we will continue to be lifted up, buoyed by the power of His Spirit lifted up to serve him, to love him. MW has a very long history 
and a very significant history as well in the Methodist Church. Do you know that by the year 1968, MW has made itself a part of the General Conference. MW has always had a very active and important role in the local church, in the annual conference, as well as in the general conference. In our annual conference, MW will have a place in the track executive board, representing the local church, as well as the sisters, and the work that they have in this nation. And in the general conference, where Angela shared a little bit about the building that they had together with the other conferences raised up. I came from a church that has a long history with MW, but in the earlier days, MW was known as WSCS, Women's Society for Christian Service. In Kuantan, as a newly emerging town, many of the young women who by the time they reach Form 5, Form 6, they will have to come to Kuantan to do, especially for Form 6, because some of the smaller towns in Pahang, they do not have Form 6. So that's where MW meets the needs of nation and community. In Kuantan, my aunt was one of the leaders with uh, MW then. They raised up money to to build a hostel for young women who have to leave their smaller hometown to come to Kuantan to pursue Form 6. Just now, as Angela was sharing about the GC building, my mind just went back to the work in Kuantan and what, in my own family, my aunt, the women in our family were part of. So I'm very proud of all the MW work and all the sisters here. For indeed, this is a, a work that has deep roots planted by God, not by us. And it will continue to shine in His grace, in His glory. Amen. Trinity Penang, I want to thank you today, Jane, and her three, her three A's. They look into every detail. Today is MW Sunday, and do you notice that? Jane and her three A's led us in such meaningful and intimate worship. The D was a bonus because Daniel is the husband. So Jane and the three A's today led us in very intimate, meaningful worship. Now this is faith. Faith represented by the sisters here in Trinity Penang. Lent is a time of renewal. Amen? A renewal of what? Our faith. I want to speak about three points of our faith here as we talk about the renewal of our faith during the Lent season. Faith requires that we look beyond our world to the things of heaven and the great works of God. In the MW it, uh, conference that we had last year, I shared a little bit about the roots of WSCS, of MW. The reason that they have made a mark and also established themselves in an important part of church life as a community and for a nation as well 
is because the seed that was planted long ago, the seed of faith that requires the women to see beyond their world and their generation of that time, to see the bigger picture of the, the work that God has, even beyond the borders of their own countries. I believe some of you will know Sophia Blackmore because she is quite famous. There is a place in Singapore that is named after her as well, Mount Sophia, where TTC had been there for many years. The Trinity Theological College had been there in Mount Sophia for many, many years. And she is part of the work of WSCS where women of her generation, more than 100 years ago, they, they see the faith and the things that God is doing beyond their own lives and the borders of their own nation as they know it. So Sophia Blackmore came to Malaya then, a single young woman, and here together with the WSCS of her generation, they went into community work and bringing education to women. So she is recognized by Singapore and the place is named after her, Mount Sophia, is because of the contribution of the sisters of her generation, the faith that looked beyond their own world and the limitation of their own world. If you read up the story of Sophia Blackmore, you will know that it was not a smooth sailing, easy journey for her to come from Australia and be planted here in British Malaya as a missionary and to work amongst the the girls, the women in Singapore at that time. Point number two, faith requires us to set aside our own perception and the ways of thinking and see our world and others through the eyes of God. And this is what the MW, through the work of the earlier part in WSCS, they see in a world where women had little voice. And girls, especially in this part of Asia, were not given the chance to have a voice. They were not allowed or given the chance to pursue education. And so here, faith requires us to set aside our own perception. And as daughters of God, they usher in this window and opening the window for the world of her generation. So I want to encourage you, what you are doing now will continue to bless the future generation. Many of our sisters here contribute back to society. They are learned, they are doctors, they are lawyers, they are pharmacists, they are teachers. And I think many of them can trace that seeds of blessing for the missionaries who came to British Malaya then to bring education especially for women, for girls. Faith continuously seeks God and land allows us to rediscover this deep longing in our hearts. I want to thank the MW in Trinity Penang. You are one of the bigger churches that can continue to have MW chapters. It is not that we are slighting MW, but because of the size of our church and sometimes that few leaders have to wear many hats. So you can imagine in smaller churches, it's difficult to have MW chapters alongside with other ministries as well. 
So in the bigger churches like uh, here in Trinity Penang, Kuantan Wesley, Wesley Penang, we praise God that in the bigger churches, our MW continues to shine in strength and continue to grow because this is the faith that seeks God that allows us to rediscover the deeper longing in our hearts as daughters of the living God. Come, let's pray for the MW sisters here in the sanctuary as well as those who are joined with us in this online, in real time and space, we bow in prayer. Oh, bless you, Lord. Father, we thank you for all these our MW sisters. Father, we thank you for the women you have raised up in our church. We thank you for Jane and her team of three A's there leading us in intimate, meaningful worship. We thank you, Lord, for this younger generation coming forth, loving God, serving God, shining as your daughters. We thank you for Angela, for Rosalind, for Evelyn, for those who have shown the way and who have shined in their example, modeling the way as daughters of God. And we pray that, Lord, the baton of faith would be passed on from one generation to the next. The baton of faith that they have received for themselves as a heritage, faith that be looks beyond their world as Sophia Blackmore and those of her time came to a place that they may never heard before, British Malaya, and to seek the things of heavens, the greater works of God beyond their own borders. We thank you, Lord, for the sisters who came long ago that require us to set aside their perception and ways of thinking, a broader view of changing the community, the world around them, bringing education to women, to girls in British Malaya, and now the younger generation benefiting, women educated and contributing to nation and society. We thank you a lot here in Penang Trinity and the bigger Methodist churches that we have. The sisters are united in the oneness of joy and delight, of continually seeking you and rediscovering the deep longing of their hearts to be yours, to love you, to serve you, to honour you. So on this MW Sunday, we thank you, Lord, that we can celebrate this together. And thank you, Lord, for impressing upon them this theme for themselves. Soaring with God like eagles in strength and in grace. And Lord, yes, indeed, this is our prayer for them. As others see them in the grace and beauty and might as eagles up in the sky. May they point others to Christ. This is our prayer for MW sisters. Amen. Now, Lent is observed for 40 days. We start with Ash Wednesday. I believe in many of our track churches, it is a tradition that we have Ash Wednesday service to mark the beginning of Lent, and it ends on Holy Saturday, and we await with great delight and expectancy for Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. The 40 days that we have in land, traditionally in our rich heritage in the Methodist Church, is a time to represent the 40 days that Christ spent in the wilderness 
and to identify with him in the oneness as his. Now Luke recorded this for us in a very beautiful way as he observed this quality of the 40 days. He began the account of Jesus' 40 days with this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led into, by the Spirit into the wilderness. And as he concluded the 40 days of Jesus' time in the wilderness, this is what Luke observed and he wrote for us. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. Because something that we do as a tradition sometimes may lose its meaning. I believe here in our track churches, as we observe Lent, which is something that we look forward to in, as part of our calendar, I pray that we will never lose the, the essence, the spirit of Lent. And this is my prayer for all our track churches. As we enter into Lent, it is not just about a routine that we observe as we have inherited it, but recognizing as Luke remarked here, full of the Holy Spirit. I believe that as we have journeyed this far in Lent this year, in the council and in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, you have been blessed. Yes, indeed. As Luke remarked here, the time that we come together, as Jesus did, the Son of God did 2,000 years ago, it was in the council, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that brought him into this time of intimacy with the Father. And as he completed the 40 days in the wilderness, he was sent forth by the Holy Spirit. And I believe as you are being sent forth after your 40 days of Lent, you will arise in the might and power, empowered by the Spirit and being recognized. When others see you, they see Christ in you and you in Christ. Amen? Amen. The 40 days of Lent is this. It's a joyful season. Sons and daughters growing in the image in Christ. But Lent has also has its commercial value as Christmas because land has become a part of a culture and especially in the West it is a Western culture that it's quite a common thing to ask what are you giving up for land do we ask that here as well because we are very open to uh, and very connected to media from the West probably we are also being, being caught up with what am I giving up for land the Independent, a UK newspaper, is not a tabloid, but it's a, quite a considerably good newspaper, did an article, they surveyed for the year 2020 for this land. What are the top five things that the people in Britain would give up for land? Guess what is first on the list? The biggest sacrifice is chocolate. So you know that the British love their chocolate, so that's their biggest sacrifice. Then amongst that, the top five, Twitter, social networking, Facebook, and I forgot one more. So these are their biggest sacrifice for giving 
up for Lent. I would like to bring our attention to not to use those words as what am I giving up for Lent. Lent is a time for us to come and to grow in Christ. I would like to invite us to think of it this way and teach our children this way. Lent, instead of a time of giving up what I can sacrifice for Lent, it is a time of making room in us. Because Lent is a time identifying in Christ, in His image, in His attributes, and growing in Him. And this leads us to point number two, because we are preparing for Easter Sunday, a new creation in Christ. We are the Easter people, rising in Christ, being His, being known as His. Our hearts, our mind during this Lent season is being renewed, transformed in the counsel, in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Transformed to what? Transformed to the conformation of Christ. They were conforming to His image, His beauty, His grace. And we continue to grow in loving reverence as Christ showed us the way of loving reverence for the Father and maturing in loving service. As Christ ended His 40 days in the wilderness, He began His public ministry. And amongst the many things that He do in His public ministry, we see the loving service that He did for the people. So, this is Lent, and I pray that in all our track churches, we will have a very meaningful, meaningful, beautiful Lent. Amen? I just want to take one minute because uh, today is quite a long service. But I have to speak about this because the Board of Worship and Music have prepared land resources, and this has been growing year after year. And last year, I want to thank brothers and sisters in Trinity Penang. What did you contribute to our land resources? You helped with the innovative way of bringing it as an audio for our conference. And beyond our conference, our land resources is worth very much welcome and also being used by other conferences and other conferences begin to purchase our land resources. But however, one area that we can continue to work at and to make it grow is this. This year you will recognize that there are two versions of land resources. I'm not talking about the languages because we have always done in English and in BM. This year we have the junior ones. And there is a reason that we, we plan and purpose for the junior ones. For track, we are talking about family discipleship, about family altar and family devotion. And we, we recognize that since the past quadrennium, that we are working alongside with the church, parents, grandparents working alongside with the church to disciple our children, our grandchildren. So we, we targeted the land junior material for this purpose. Now, it would be quite awkward for us to say, okay, children, come and do family devotion and come and do family altar. When it is not part of the familiarity of our family culture, of, of the things that we do as a family. So we hope that with the land resource for the young ones, this is the perfect time to induct them and to introduce into them family devotion time. 
as we flip through the pages together with our children and grandchildren. And after 40 days of doing that, as many gurus of teaching good habits, after 21 days, the habit will be formed. And this is what we hope to do. So next year, we hope that this, the junior version, or you, all of us in the track churches will continue to, to imprint this as part of the work that we want to do in raising up family devotion, family time, family altar with our children as we disciple them together with the church. Okay, back to our portion of scripture this morning. Matthew 11, the second part of the scripture is this, from Matthew 11. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, for, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those whom the Son choose to reveal him. So come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And we say the last line together, one, two. Do you ever wonder why Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light? What is the meaning of this line in the whole conversation that Jesus had? I'm so glad that uh, as you rearrange the, the, the slides, because um, it was a bit wordy and long, so yeah, put this slide on its own. Come to me, all ye who are weary, burdened, and I will give you rest. Quite often, this line is, taking, is taken as a standalone. It is sufficient because it's a beautiful verse on its own. Come to me, all ye who, who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will exegete this together with you a little bit more about this line being on its own. Now, Matthew 11 is about the divinity of Christ. Later, when you go home and you have time, reread Matthew 11 again. And you will find that from verse 1 all the way down to the end of the chapter, it is all about the divinity of Christ, who He is. Now, why is this important? It is important because as Jesus was preparing to invite them, he has to prepare their mind, cognition to know who is inviting, and he has to prepare their hearts because as the person who invites us makes a big difference, right? If you have the, the conflict of whose invitation shall I accept when both are inviting me or three persons are inviting me? And that is where you will have to make a decision based on your relationship with the person and the significance of the person in your, in your heart, in your life. And so here, in chapter 11 of Matthew, Jesus did this precisely for the people whom he was inviting then. 
because this is no ordinary invitation. It is not an ordinary invitation. It is an invitation from the Son of God. Especially those who study the, Old, the New Testament, you will know that in Matthew, Jesus rarely talks about who he is. But here in chapter 11, it was out of the norm. He was telling them with very clear words that he is the Son of God. So it's no ordinary invitation because it is an invitation by God's Son. It is a special invitation. Why is it a special invitation? In Matthew 11, Jesus not only talks about who he is, but who we are. Jesus talked about the Father being revealed to the children. So here he connected the dots where he is, the Father, the Son, and God's children. So it's an invitation that the Son now brings to the children of God, connecting them back to the Father. So this is the invitation when Jesus said, come, take my yoke, and learn from me. This is a yoke. A yoke is a tool for work. It is a tool for work. And here I have the picture of a more mature, a bigger one with a younger one. You can tell the one on the, on the right side is a, is a smaller animal a piece of burden for the field. The yoke is a tool for work. So Jesus is inviting us to come and join him with his yoke for the work. What work then? Of course, it's about kingdom work. Join me in kingdom work. But he did not stop just there. Join me in kingdom work. Jesus went on to say, as I invite you to join me in kingdom work, I will teach you. And so he said, and learn from me. We are called into kingdom's work not as slaves or workers, but we are called into kingdom work as children. Now, in the many parables that Jesus spoke about in the Gospels, you'll find that this is the way that he described God's kingdom that he's ushering in. And that he's bringing in workers and people to come. And some of the parables, you will see that there were some workers sent before him, and then when the son was sent later, and what did those who were purposed to do with the one who come? To kill the son, because they said, this is the son who will come. So the kingdom work in this vision that Jesus had, this is now he's sharing in greater detail with his audience in Matthew 11. So he explains to them about the relationship that they have with them, with the Father, as sons, as children, as daughters, verses 25 to 26. And then he said, I am going to reveal you to the Father and bring you to the Father. Because all things have been committed to me, 
and I know the Father, and the Father knows me, and I have chosen to reveal him to you. As he shared this with the people there, then, he said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And take my yoke and learn from me. But I make you read the last line, verse 30. Take my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You see, as Jesus was inviting them, now for us, we may not see this and understand it because we are not from farming community. But for those who were there 2,000 years ago when Jesus did this invitation and invited them to come and take the yoke upon them, I think almost immediately they will start murmuring and talking to each other because the yoke, as you look at it, it is not a few planks nailed together. A good yoke is made of one piece of wood that is hewn into this shape because the yoke needs to be sturdy and strong. Now, how many of you love wooden furniture? Yes, the more expensive, the better quality the wood furniture is, the more it is solid and heavy. And some of the yoke perhaps were inherited from their great-grandfathers and forefathers before them and lasted for generations. So when Jesus said, come and be yoked to me, the first idea that comes to the mind of those who hear is, what? That is a huge burden, it's so heavy. And so Jesus comforted them. He affirmed them and said, no, 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 listen, my yoke is light. My burden is easy. Because this has to tie in with, when you are weary, come and rest in me. So when we are weary and we are tired, do we want to put on this heavy yoke? Naturally, those who heard it at that time, they start to talk among themselves. How could this be? So Jesus affirmed them, no, you got it wrong. My yoke is light. My burden is easy. And he's going to show us why. You see, as Jesus invited us to come and be joined in kingdom work, he will teach us. He said, learn from me. In one way, he's saying that I'm going to teach whether you are ready or not. But please be ready to learn from me when I come and when you are yoked with me. And that is why precisely that the yoke is made from one piece of wood that is hewn together into this shape. Why? Because we will learn three things from Christ. The first thing is that we will learn to walk in step with Him. When we are yoked with Christ, this is what we'll do. Just as the earlier photo I showed you about a, a more mature beast of burden and a younger one, it is always in this manner. The farmer will yoke an older mature one with a younger one in order that the younger one is trained and discipled, apprenticed to know the way of doing things. 
So when we are yoked with Christ, just like the beast of burden we saw earlier, one may want to go and sidestep on its own, but then it will come back again because the yoke is made from one piece of solid wood. So it will not tear easily and it will not go wayward easily. That's the way that Christ holds us in his love, the solid love that we will learn from him. And what are we learning from him? That eventually we will learn to walk in step with him as the yoke yoke us together, unyielding, not letting go. And this is the way that we love Christ. Why? As we learn to walk in step with him, the lighter the burden for him. Now, Jesus did not invite us to take the yoke. It's not just any yoke. He said, take my yoke and learn from me. So as we take on the yoke, who is carrying the bulk of the burden? Christ himself. Just as in reality, the, the one that is the mature piece of burden, the, the experienced one, is carrying most of the work, training and discipling the new one. So as we love Christ back and reciprocate that love, we will want to walk in step with him instead of out of step with him. And as we walk more and more in step with him, the lighter it is for Christ. Point number two, we will also be yoked side by side with Christ because this is the way the yoke is, side by side. And it's a very beautiful instrument if you look at it. Now, those who heard it 2,000 years ago, those farmers from the farming community, they understood precisely this intimacy. The yoke is made in a way that only one is called to that discipleship with the more mature one. So it's a very personal invitation that Jesus invites us to come to him by name. And he showed that in the gospel. He called them one by one, by name, Peter, John, James. And as we are yoked to him personally, we are not just any position with Christ, but as the yoke shows us, side by side. And this gives us the same view, the same vision. You know, when we start dating, and when we become serious, the first thing we allow is our boyfriend or girlfriend to hold our hand so that we can walk side by side, so that we can become to grow more in tune with that same vision and same view that we see. And so beautiful to see married couples after many, many years still walk side by side because they've grown to hold hands together and walk side by side with the same view and vision. How sad it is if one is walked far in the front and one still at the back there. Different view and vision because you are seeing different things. So as Christ called us, that is why he used the, the visual of the bride and the groom as well. We come together and it is in the same view and vision and side by side. So we are with Christ, growing firstly, walking in step with him. And secondly, becoming of one vision with him.
And the MW women, I like to share here. I like the way that they use the eagle. As the, as the eagle soars up high in the sky, they see a different view. And Jane chose a very beautiful song just now with the same lessons as well, beneath the cross of Christ. We see a different view. And that is important. No longer my view, but whose view? God's view. And so here, the second lesson is we learn to see from His view and growing in the same view with His. Lesson number three is this. The third lesson is that we will learn true rest. We find our rest in kingdom work, going about the Father's business. In the gospel, Jesus again and again in many of the parables, He he talked about going about in the Father's business. And here is where we find our true rest. Before Jesus come and be engaged in the Father's business, He spent 40 days in the wilderness preparing Himself to come into the Father's business. So I believe as you leave these 40 days of Lent this year, you are all empowered and renewed to come into the Father's business. Amen? True rest is in finding ourselves in the Father's business. You see, when we use the verse, come to me all ye who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest, and take it out of context as a single verse, which we quite often see the way it is done, especially when we are inviting church leaders, church members, ah, we are so tired, we are so burdened with all the deadlines and things and stress in life, why not take a retreat? Come, all you who are weary and burdened, find rest. Let's go to Fraser's Hill, let's go to um, Cameron Highlands. But if you look at the way that it was first framed, that verse, it was not about going on a retreat. Jesus was not inviting his audience to go on a retreat, but rather, he said, come and find rest. And where do you find rest? by being one with me and being yoked together with me. Now, I'm not just saying this as something that I made up. In Matthew 11, Jesus surveyed the whole scenario for them. And Jesus said, why is it that you, have, you find so much discontentment, that you find so much unrest within you? Go and read Matthew 11 again. From 16 to 24, he did a survey with them and bringing them to the realization of where they are, why they are discontented, unfulfilled, unrest. Jesus said, I played music for dancing and you dance not. I played music for mourning and you mourn not. You do not even know what you want. You rejected the Father, you rejected the Son, you were spiritually blind and hence all this unrest and discontentment. You do not know what's life about and where you're going. And so he connected the dots for us, who he is, who the Father is, who we are. That as we know this familial thread that holds us together, we will not reject the Father, nor the Son. Our spiritual blindness is removed from us. He prepares us to come and to join him with his Father's business. So how do you view kingdom work then? Jesus said, said this then, and he said 
now to us. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You see, somehow in our Christian circle, in our Christian culture, we have kind of got used to the way that we, we heard things and sometimes we also say the same thing. Let's see whether you can identify with this. I have a burden for street ministry. I have a burden for youth ministry. I have a burden for worship. I have a burden for women ministry. I have a burden for OA ministry and so forth. Now, in the Gospels, from the first one, Matthew, all the way to John, the last one, do you see Jesus going around looking for burden bearers? But it has come into our culture now that we are we have become burden bearers. I have burden for OA ministry. I have burden for street ministry. I have burden for, for drug rehab ministry. Now, we are starting at the wrong foot with saying, I have a burden. Let me tell you why. When we begin a sentence with, I have a burden, it, it points us inward to being self-centric. Whose burden? My burden. It's about me. I have a burden. So when Jesus invites us to come and be yoked with him, he was very precise in his language. He said, come and take not the yoke, but my yoke, his yoke, the Father's business. And so we have to change from looking at it as a burden rather than what is about me to be what about him, his so he's inviting us to look at kingdom work not as burden, but as vision. And that's why I said I'm joining these two from Matthew as well as from Isaiah, both as the MW sisters. We're talking about rising up like the eagle high in the sky, and there they see a different vision as God empowered them. And on ground level, as we till the land and work the land for the Lord, we also have the same vision because we are side by side with Christ. So it's all about vision, not burden. So don't go around looking for burden bearers. So next time, if your committee, you need more people, and MW sisters, you need more people to come in, you say, ask them whether they see the vision as the eagles see the vision where they are. Whether they see the vision in God's kingdom and part of God's kingdom. Amen? Our application then. Jesus invites us to join him. Are you ready? Are you ready? You must be ready. Because if you're not ready, we may miss that invitation. I, can be, I believe 2,000 years ago when Jesus invited, not all may have accepted. But for those who have accepted, they are raised up as a new creation in Christ. Amen? Jesus offers true rest. And where is this true rest? It's anchored in God's will and purpose. And lastly, Jesus come about not seeking burden bearers, but he seeks people who catch the vision. He comes to usher in the kingdom of God. He painted the vision of the kingdom of God. Can you see the vision? Can you see yourself in that vision? Application number one. 
He invites us to join Him. This is a very straightforward as we summarize it. The yoke fits too. So recognize that the invitation is a very personal one. He's inviting Evelyn Sim, he's inviting Shen Xia, he's inviting Jane Ku, he's inviting us one by one. It fits too. So as we learn from him, it's not a generic thing of learning lessons. Christ knows where we are as he invites us and we are yoked to him. He walks with us. He's not going to drag us so that we will be in step, but he understood, he empathized. He knows us that we can now be coaxed to walk in step with him. All of us will have different learning curve of coming in step with him. And everyone is treated uniquely and specially because the yoke fits to Christ and together. Christ and those at home. Say it. Christ and yeah, I can hear you. See, it's loud enough. We can hear you from your house. Christ and me, it fits too. The yoke is an invitation to learn from Christ. When Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, he didn't stop that full sentence and learn from me. So what do we learn from him? Firstly, we learn to be trained to walk in step with him. Secondly, we learn to realign our vision with him as he holds us side by side. And thirdly, recognize this, that it is his yoke. It is his father's business. He takes the lead. So it's not about burden bearers, our lead, but about the vision of where he is leading. True rest is anchored in God's will and purpose. You know, we often zero in on will and purpose, relating it to big things like our career, our spouse, our life's goal, our legacy. But this passage here in Matthew 11 teaches us to look at a different perspective of what God's will and purpose is. The first is to become Jesus' disciple. He invited us to come as he connected the point for us, father, son, and children, and drawing us to this familial thread of relationship that we have, he invites us to come and be his disciples. This is opening the door to God's will and purpose. As he calls James and John, Simon Peter, Andrew, and all the rest, it is a growing personal relationship. And you will notice that in the Gospels that every one of them grow at a different pace with Jesus, knowing Him and being known by Him. The same for us as well. This is within God's will and purpose because eventually it will come into the same will and purpose with His as ours make room to grow into crisis. The third one, when we are in step with Him and not before Him and not behind Him, great things will be done. Sometimes in our excitement, we want to run ahead of him. And sometimes in our lethargy, we drag along behind him. But he invites us to come and be beside him, not before, not behind. And as we are side by side with him, we begin to be in sync with Christ and walking in perfect rhythm. And when we are in perfect rhythm, as Jane and her three A's just now, you can see how 
they switched lead singer as well. Alicia, wasn't it? The other one who sang? Yes. So this is when we come in sync with one another. We know we are prepared. Learn from Paul and also from Peter and James about the will and purpose of God. Let's begin with Paul then. Paul, we know that in the corporate world, we'll say, wow, he has such a great, great future as a lawyer because we know that Paul is very talented, very smart, and whatever he does, he does it to the best. But the will and purpose for Paul, as he said, all those that I have known in the past, I count them as rubbish, as what I have now in Christ. He finally found his will and purpose. Why? Because he began to walk in step, in sync with Christ. In the beginning, he was charging like a mad bull. He was running ahead. Not on bad things, though. He was running ahead on Yahweh's business. He go and catch all those who have become Christians and who had deserted their Jewish faith. So as he learned to walk in step with Christ, as Christ revealed himself to him in the road to Damascus, we see how his will and purpose come in oneness with Christ. It began with that day in Damascus when he became a disciple as he knew the master. And then we have Peter, another one we can learn about the will and purpose of God. Peter always the first to blurt out vocally or to act first to jump out the boat. But if you look at the letters that Peter wrote in First and Second Peter, you have seen how he eventually learned to walk in step with Christ, one with him. But if our will and purpose is in conflict with God, as in Judas, finally we will be the loser, as Judas shown us. The third one, burden versus vision. Are you a burden bearer? Or are we raising up burden bearers? So when we speak with our children and teach our children, grandchildren, we don't want to teach them whether they have a burden for certain ministry. But rather, we invite them to come and see the ministry from a different perspective, being a vision for them. Jesus does that for us. He invites us to this vision of a joyful participation. So if our children keep hearing her say that I have a burden for this, I have a burden for that, then they will also be conditioned to, to view it as burden. But as they see us participating joyfully in the vision, we are imprinting a vision for them. Christ invites us to come and be yoked to him together as a church to find true rest. Come, let us pray. Oh, bless you, Lord. Oh, bless you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us, O oh Lord. Father, we thank you for this MW Sunday. We thank you, Lord, here during this Lent season, we recognize again the renewing of faith, faith that requires seeing beyond our boundaries, seeing beyond our perception, faith that continually seeks you. And we see all this as rich legacies that continue to live on in our MW sisters. And we pray, O oh God, 
as their faith rise up as a model for us. Maybe as a church, be inspired too. We thank you, Lord, for the work that they are doing and our support for them is not just here in words, in prayers. We will come alongside them to encourage them that they see their vision in this work, in this kingdom, the kingdom of God. We thank you, Lord, for it is you who have given this vision for them, that they will rise up like eagles high in the sky, that they will see from a different perspective, your perspective. So this morning, as we celebrate Methodist Women's Sunday, we thank you for all the faithful sisters whose lives inspire us. Praying for Angela as she leads her sisters in this ministry. Lord, may your hand be upon Angela. And I invite Angela and all the MW office bearers to stand so that we can bless you. Father, these are your daughters who, have, who stood up here in the sanctuary as well as those who are at home who have loved and served you and be such a fine example for us. May you continue to anoint them in your blessings. May they continue to grow in might and power, bloom in the beauty and grace of Christ, our Saviour, Redeemer, King. So we bring Angela and her whole team before you and we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this legacy there is so much alive here in Trinity Penang as well. As you see the worship team this morning as well, Jane and her three A's. Father, we thank you, we praise you. And Lord, we know that Trinity Penang will continue to shine in might and power in Christ, that he is glorified and magnified in our midst. We thank you, we praise you. And so Lord, may your anointing rest upon all these our dear sisters who stand before you now as faithful daughters of the living God. May joy and delight be theirs as you continue to lift them up in the fullness in Christ. In Jesus' name, be blessed, dear sisters. For God has his hand upon you. You are very precious to him. And here in the church, we are thankful for you all. We'll hold your hand and journey with you that we see the vision together. Amen. Please be seated.